So welcome to today's Bobblecast. It's me, Dave Witchley, joined shortly by Matt Keenan. Two interviews today with two fantastic, legendary blues. Uh, first, we'll be Matt interviewing Bill Kinsley, and then we'll be joined by Dave Kelly from uh, Fans Sport and Food Banks. Right, yeah, this is uh, Matt Keenan from Counter Row Bobblers, and I'm speaking to uh, Liverpool Music Royalty, uh, Billy Kinsley. Who was <laughs> the uh, the co-creator of Spirit of the Blues with Kenny Parry, um, but obviously that's not that's not all that you've done in the past. You quite a quite an interesting backstory that we've uh, I've seen since I've been looking into it. Um, so obviously we'll get into the song, the Spirit of the Blues. But first of all, I just thought if you just give an introduction to yourself, obviously um, anything to do with. Liverpool Express, which I thought was a, a big thing that you're involved in, and the, the Mersey Beats, obviously. Um, yeah, right. So we've just got a couple of minutes, we'd just like to tell people about yourself. Well, and it was, in, in between that, um, there was the Merseys as well, which oh, yeah. was just like two of, two of, of the Mersey Beats, me and Tony Crane. Um, and uh, so I've been in charge with... Um, Mersey Beats, Mersey's and Liverpool Express. So they're pretty, uh, pretty well-known bands, especially well, around South I America. Was a, I was a session guy as well in the 70s. Yeah. Um, so I used to do a lot of um, uh, session work in London. Yeah. You know, uh, so I'm on a, on a lot more records than you'd think. <laughs> Did I see something you were involved with Chuck Berry? Yeah, if you, if you want, if you... Um, if you can check the um, oh, 1973, I think it was, um, and Chuck um, was touring here, and we got the job of backing him. We all jumped at the chance and then oh, realised what it was going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't the easiest guy to work with. No. And if you go on, um, it's Chuck Berry. Um, oh, where did we do it? Anyway, it was live in London somewhere, Kensington or... Uh, studio around there yeah um and it still gets played um every so often we did it like a, a an hour show Brilliant. yeah and um yeah it was uh it was certainly certainly an education working with chuck berry <laughs> and you've you've done a lot of touring around south america as well haven't you yeah that was liverpool express and i loved it you know we did um uh, literally all, all over uh, you know, um, uh, too many places to tell it. <laughs> you know, I just just loved um, Brazil. Did you ever play you the Maracanã? Yeah, we did. We did, and we had a special visitor there. It wasn't Pele, was it? I was waiting for you to say that, and everybody <laughs> says it wasn't Pele, was it? Well, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was there at the gig. I mean, the stadium is absolutely incredible. You know, the biggest place I've ever played. And we just, we're in the middle of a song, a slow song, you know, really got the audience with us and everything, really, everything was going spot on, you know. And then all of a sudden there's a big shout and we went, oh, oh what's going on? And then we realised Pelly had just come in. Oh. <laughs> And he was waving to us. He was on the other side of the, you know, the the, the match. The, 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 uh, what what do I say? Not the match. What am I talking the about? Stadium. The, the, yeah, the stadium. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, it was just one incredible day. Yeah. Yeah. What a player. And we went down well as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't, you'd think he was. I, I did look into a lot of things that he did in South America and you seem to, a few people turned up, should we say. More people have never turned up to any of my gigs, put it that way. Yeah. Oh, you're in a band then? Yeah, yeah. That was a, a musician. Well, semi-retired these days. There's not much you can do during the lockdown. Well, we all are these days. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm an Everton fan myself, but unfortunately I've had to spend a lot of time playing at Anfield on a match day. <laughs> um, but it's all right. A, a gig's a gig. Now, you, as long as you've got an audience there, it doesn't matter really. Exactly. You're just, you just playing yeah. what they want to hear. Yeah, it's a strange, strange uh, times, aren't we, that we're living in at the moment? Yeah, but just everyone's got to get through it. Everyone's doing podcasts these days and uh, everything happening online. Yeah. But, uh, so where about you live? I'm in Crosby as well. Where about? Um, just by Kinsley's, by by the... Uh, is, what do you call it, a restaurant? It's more than a cafe, isn't it? Oh, Kinsley's? Yeah, yeah, literally just around the corner from there. Um, oh right, yeah. Um, but well, it's our daughter uh, Emma, Emma's place, but she's doing really well. Yeah. Um, no booze, and that's the way she likes it. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say in her home. She likes to booze at home, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to have run a cafe, it, there's different situations. You know what I mean? And you, you can get idiots coming in and drinking and everything, but it's nothing like that at all. It's just a great place. Yeah, it's a great. A lot of music memorabilia on the walls. Oh, you checked all that out, have you? Oh, but yeah, I've spent many a time just looking at the pictures on the walls, all the, the Beatles and and you yourself as well. I noticed you had a nice Gibson Firebird there. I'm a, a fan of them myself. Firebird and a Thunderbird. I'm a bass player, you see. Oh, right, yeah. So you um, played the Thunderbird well, I... bass and the Firebird guitar. Say again? So you played the Thunderbird bass and the Firebird guitar. That's right, that's right, yeah. Um... And we were the first West, first to get them in this country. We saw the Everly Brothers. I was only a teenager. I was only about 17 or 18. We saw the Everly's at the at the Empire in Liverpool. Yeah. And, um, you know, a big, big Everly Brothers fan. And um, the backing band did, like, three or four, three or four numbers before they came on. And like, we couldn't take our eyes off the guitars. They were just out of this world. They just looked so cool. And, you know, the bass player had the Thunderbird and the, the two guitarists had um, Firebirds. And so um, we didn't know what they were. They didn't look like any other Gibson, you know. Yeah. Um, so eventually we found out they were Gibsons and eventually we found out the Gibson people in, in London. Um, and um, we ordered them, um, especially from, them, from America. And they were the first ones out of America. And we still got them. Brilliant. Well, they're worth a bit of money these days, so I'm going to get that one short. So what are you playing? Um, well, I'm sitting in my little home studio now. Around me, I've got... There's a couple of Les Pauls, a 335, a few Telecasters. Um, hey, yeah. This is nice stuff. So you know, you know what you're doing then, don't you? I like to think so. I, I can put on, <laughs> I can give the impression I know what I'm doing. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, turning to, to the football then... Do, what were your connections with Everton that um, that brought about the the song? As I see, it was originally recorded. Was it nineteen eighty four? That's right. It seems awful long time ago. Um, well, I, 
I don't really know what happened. I just know that um, <clears throat> we used to play for the five, five aside every every Monday night. Now these these are all guys out of bands. Yeah. And you know, on a on a Saturday, on a well a Sunday, um, we come home from our individual gigs. You know, um, something. Well, I, most of the gigs I was doing were down south and everything. So I'd get home from from the gig like five and five or six in the morning, and then I'd have to be up at eight o'clock to you know to go and play football. Yeah. And that's what it did for years, but not just me, but but after some others, and uh, we loved it. We just got into it. So you, you can imagine doing doing like four games in a week. Yeah. But we were young and fit. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, we we just um, we we and we were doing well. We were beating like good teams, you know. And then um, we got asked. Um, to do uh, what was it? Um, well, I, I can't remember what it was. It was a charity up in Kirby somewhere, and our friend—I wouldn't say he was manager, but he, he was good enough to be our manager. He he booked Kirby uh, Amazon Studios in Kirby. Oh, I know, yeah. Um, and uh, we uh, after the after the game on a Monday night. Uh, we all jumped in our cars or minibuses, whatever it was, and uh, went up there. And um, we did. We did we done a backing track actually, which was like me um, and lead guitarist and a drummer out of Liverpool Express and and the, and the keyboard player. So it was basically Liverpool Express. Um, and then we said, well, we want a load of guys singing on it, you know. Um, so we asked all the blues in in the five side scenes. And um, they said, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and then there's a lot of Reds did it as well. So, you know, they wanted to come up and do it. And um, and that's what we did. The backing track was done. We went up there. All our mates were there. Um, now, it's, I don't know whether you know um, where that studio was. Yeah, I've got a very, very um, yeah, recollection it, it of it. Seems, yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's still there actually, but it was great. It was the best on Merseyside anyway. And we did. And the name of the the, the name of the football team we had was Mersey Boots. Oh yeah. We thought that was very apt, you know. Um, and um, so it's the uh, it's all the guys from that team really, and other Evertonians that we knew uh, who had who had a good voice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'll never forget the night. It was just, it was just superb. Um, and then, as you do, we we came back um, from the match. I had a, uh, had a shower, and then went straight to the pub to celebrate. So that was in nineteen eighty four. Right, probably the last time we were a decent side as well. <laughs> do you reckon? Well, we've got had some good teams since, but uh, eighty four. That's that year I was born. Actually, eighty four. And uh, yeah. that team's still spoken about today. So you seem to have captured the mood. But like it, it, that song's definitely got a a real good vibe about it, and it's an easy sing along. I'm surprised there's not more of it on the terraces, to be honest. So Do you reckon? Well, hopefully, when everyone's allowed back in, now it's caught on. Well, yeah, that's a good point. That well done. Yeah, didn't think of that. It's definitely an easy easy chorus to sing. You can imagine all the crowd singing it. Yeah. So, um. 
But the reception at the time did it, was it as popular then as it is now? Because I see, I seem to have heard more of the B side, which was Forever Everton, which was well, written by well, Graham Gouldman of Ten CC. I've recently found out. Which, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, I've thought, well, what's the fella from Ten CC got to do with Everton? But <laughs> apparently, he was a well, songwriter for hire. Yeah. Well, the, well the, thanks the, for telling me that. I didn't know. Wow. Yeah, that that's what I found. Well, in fact, the person who told me that originally was uh, Mark Nicko, who I know will be Mark, listening to yeah. this. Yeah, he's big How's into he it. He's great. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, well, he's there every Saturday, isn't he? Yeah, he's a big Evertonian, and he knows all the players now. But he's big on the music scene as well. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. So, uh, oh, great, good one. Was the song was the song well received at the time, or was it? Did you think it maybe slipped under the radar a little bit? Um. Yeah, you're right. This, yeah, it just it just slipped under the radar. It was. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was because no one knew us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a gang of guy, a gang of lads or fellas, men, whatever we were then. Um, and we're taking it over. You know, doing a song about Everton, and they didn't know us. But um, it, you know, suddenly it changed. You know. Everyone said, hey, it's good, it's good to sing along to, and it was, you know, and it still is, thank still God. Is. Yeah, well, how did you find out that it had it, been discovered again? When it came out in, was it September time, when it was on the air, after our good start of the season? Yeah, um, I, I personally was gobsmacked. Absolutely gobsmacked. Couldn't believe it. I thought someone was, um, you know... Uh, having me on uh, because I haven't been to the match to goodness nor or Anfield for, for quite a while yeah. uh, probably about three or four years the last time I was at Goodison I took my nephew American nephew um, and you know they don't know what football is over there it's but he, he really really enjoyed it the game um, so um, where was it going then how you how you heard about it? How it had been rediscovered again? Well, that was it. When when um, it was on the on the, the radio um, quite a bit, and I, I said, "So what's going on here? It's great and made up with this." And then I found out that you know it's going up the charts. Well, I, th- I think um, at one point we had a, we had maybe five or six things in the charts at, at one time, and that this song led the way. Spirit of the Blues was like the flagship, and then Zed Cars entered the charts. Uh, yeah. I think uh, All Together Now came back in as well. All Together Now. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it was brilliant. I think it's it, that Spirit of the Blues now seems to be the one song that everyone's united under. And the thing that I really liked about it, and the other songs that got up the charts, is that they only mentioned Everton. It, it wasn't talking about anyone else, it was just us. So it's something that we could all rally behind, but yeah, yeah. You know, rather than you know concentrating on anyone else, any other team, or anything, it was literally this is the good feeling around Everton now, and let's keep it going. And that seems to be yeah, that yeah, pushed the song. I see where you're going, yeah. But um, I've got a, lo- a lot of blue fr- friends, and they're absolutely delighted, absolutely. Well, uh, um, according to um, I spoke to to Sandra before. Uh, yeah. Apparently, your dad played for Everton. 
He played for Everton Amateurs, yes, she said the uh, reserves, but he, he, he was in Everton Amateurs, yeah. And uh, he was he was well recognised as a good player, you know. Um, you know, after he died, I, I bumped into one of his mates who was still alive, and he, oh, all right, Billy, how are you doing? Um, yeah, you look more like your dad every day and things like that, you know. Yeah. I, and then, they don't say it, yeah, but can you play f- football as well as your dad? And I said, no, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> well, could he play the he guitar as well as you? Because he played the guitar as well as you, though. No, he did. No, he couldn't play. He played piano, actually. All right. Yeah, he played piano like um, only fools and horses. You know, Granddad. Yeah. Have you seen him when he when he gets on the piano? Yeah. He's he's a real pub pianist, and that's what my dad was like, you know. But um, and you know, one of the uh, it brought tears to my eyes actually. We were having a little party in the house here, and all family and friends, you know. Yeah. And um, and friends from where I live, Fedora Street, it's not there anymore, but it was on West Derby Road. Yeah. And that's where we grew up. And, um, you know, we are having a party, and all getting together, all having a laugh and everything. My dad had gone, um, you know, died and everything, and... Um, uh, I was I was lost, you know. That, that first, really close person who'd gone, you know, in the family. Anyway, um, there's all this made to come to the um, to the do after the funeral, you know. Yeah. And every one of them came up and said, "Do you realise how good your your dad was? He, he, he should have made it." But the war was on. All oh, right, yeah. Second World War, you know, he had to. He was in the army, so he had to. He had to fight, but um, it wasn't just one guy or, or one person, you know. It was all these people at different times. Yeah, you know, your dad should have made it, and he would have done, but for the circumstances. And uh, I, I did get to see him playing for uh, a few times for the pub team. Yeah, you know, one of the pubs literally on West Derby Road. Um, and uh, and he knocked me out. Just a great player, and I I always remember when I was a kid. There was um, do you remember Duncan Edwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played for United, Manchester United. He was my favourite player when I was a kid, and um, it was because of my dad. My dad said every time he was on the TV or anything, um, and he took me to to um, Anfield actually actually to see him playing. I will never ever forget that in my life. And um, everybody, after he died, yeah, you know, at, at this particular party, we were all talking about like we are now. Uh, they all said, you know, your dad was a great footballer. He should have been a professional. And he would have been, except for the war. Um, so I always think of um, Everton and Duncan Edwards together, wrong, wrong teams, you know. But, but um, I will never ever forget that. That's a shame that that war did take a lot, lot of young lads away who could have, you know, who knows what they would have done. You're spot on there, mate. Yeah. But well, let's hope all that's over with now, anyway. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Um. So going back to back to your career a little bit, and uh, 
um, well, another link to Everton. Obviously, there is there is a famous so-called Evertonian called Paul McCartney, who uh, you Mackie, yeah. had some links with. <laughs> the, he's been on. He's gone on record to say he was an Everton fan, but I don't think any of the Beatles were really big into football, were they? But uh, did you ever? Did you ever have any conversations about football with him? Any? Did he ever show yeah, any signs of being interested? Yeah, actually, yeah. And his brother, his brother's still a big mate of mine now. Yeah. I haven't right. seen Paul for quite a few years. Um, but, oh, they were big Evertonians, yeah. Look, Mike still is. Is Mike an Evertonian? Or was was he a Liverpool? I, I never knew what he, who he supported. I just, I no, both of them. Oh, right, yeah. Both of them were Evertonians, yeah. So all the best ones are. So you live and learn, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, do, were there ever any football conversations with them, or was was it just when you spoke to them, it was all purely music? Um, oh, we spoke about everything, putting the world to rights and everything, you know, and whatever. Um, but I can't, I can't actually actually remember one particular conversation. But um, you know, because well, obviously Paul didn't, although he's still got a place in on the Whittle. Yeah, he lived in London, you know, um, and it was it was strange. It was like a you, you know you don't go to record studio to watch your mates playing or, or well not mates but the Beatles playing, yeah. which I did quite a few times, you know, recording studios. But um, sometimes it, it did go come round to to football, yeah. And the McCartneys were definitely uh, the blues. So he, he does sort of pander to... He, he's savvy, isn't he? Because when he's on on telly or when there's an interview on the internet and he say, who do you support, Everton or Liverpool? He hedges his bets a little bit and says... You know, exactly, I don't you mind notice that, yeah. <laughs> but obviously he doesn't want to cut out half his fan base, does he, by saying, no, I only like Everton. Yeah. But You're it, spot on there, you're spot on. You can tell he's a blue, though. And he did actually, from my little research, he did actually pick one of your songs... But there's one of his favourite love songs, isn't he, called You Are My Love? That's right, yeah, no, I, was, I was thrilled with that. Apparently he said it on Desert Island Discs. That it, Did he? Yeah, well, according to Mark Nicko, anyway, so if that's wrong, blame him. But he said, wow. um, yeah, uh, Paul McCartney was on Desert Island Discs and said You Are My Love would be one of the songs he'd take with him. Which is high praise indeed from someone like yeah, him. Yeah, someone mentioned, and I, I didn't hear him or see him do it, you know, uh, but I heard a lot of people saying, telling me about it. I wish I'd, uh, I'd been there to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, those were the days. Well, the good thing about music is you're never too old, really, are you? So you never really retire. I say I'm you, retired, but that's, main, that's mainly because no one buys me stuff anymore, so I just pretend I'm retired. But as soon as one of my song hits big, I'll be back out there again. Yeah. So you do a lot of writing? Yeah, well, I'm getting back into writing. I had a bit of time off because we had some kids and your job gets in the way and things like that. But, you know, they know the inspiration strikes when you least expect it, usually when you're lying in bed. And uh, yeah. I've, I I did do um, a song for Carlo Ancelotti, um, which I took an Everton chant, and I'm, I'm in the process of getting that recorded. But the most it, it came to me the most inconvenient time when I woke up at four o'clock in the morning with the song in my head. And I thought, how can I get this out? I can't go and plug the guitar in now. And so uh, I'm just trying to hold on to that in my brain. And hopefully by the time I get round to doing it, I still remember it. 
Brilliant, well, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> uh, well, it was great chatting to you then, Billy. That's, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Um, oh, you're welcome. Any 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 other questions? Don't mind any any more. Um, well, we've got as long as you want to have have chats about music. Um, but we're trying to try and keep it into sort of football related. But um, one thing I would be interested in asking you though is, uh, but obviously back in the old days, music and football was a little bit more intertwined, which it doesn't seem to be so much these days. But if Everton got to an FA Cup final this year. Would you be interested in getting involved and maybe submitting a song for like the old-fashioned FA Cup final song? Would that be something? Sorry, I missed that. What? The, the the way they used to in the old days do um, FA Cup final songs. If Everton got there this year, would that be something you'd be interested in? Maybe doing a new version of Spirit of the Blues or writing a new song, maybe because people don't seem to do that anymore, and it's it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, exactly. Spot on again. Yeah. Um, oh no, I'd, I'd I'd do it anytime. You know, anytime. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm me, my brain's working overtime now. What, what, what song have I got at the moment that I could change the lyrics to? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it's one that you can get paid for, because obviously, you know, we're all struggling musicians these days. With the, you don't get you no know, royalties or anything, and nothing like they used to be. So everyone made exactly, the money gigging, yeah. and now you can't gig. So. Well, do you know my? La- do you know when my last gig gig was? When? It was February this year. That's round about the same time as me. Yeah, that's. And that was the Philharmonic. Well, well mine wasn't the Philharmonic. I think mine was Anfield. It wasn't the Philharmonic. <laughs> but the- what was that for? Um, it was. It wasn't the end of it. It was just a special night. All all Liverpool artists on. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. I've heard of this because they do them quite often, don't they? Those uh, yeah. Because the my old band, I was in a band called the Sterlings with um, Joey Bowers' son Matt. Really? It, yeah, yeah. We we did quite well. We um, yeah, we did all right. I don't want to go into my CV because it doesn't match up to yours. But uh, yeah, Joey used to still get together with the uh, with his old band and do things like like that and he, he still enjoyed it he'd still come up with the odd story every now and again that he hadn't told Matt about and we'd, we'd all be sitting he told us a story about hearing Let It Be for the first time and really? um, and we were like Matt even said to him why have you never told me that story and he was like oh, I don't know it just, you know, it just didn't come up he was in the studio and McCartney was playing it to him on the piano and he was like I just didn't think to mention it brilliant brilliant um, yeah I went to a few Beatle recording sessions that's um, when you'd really want to read them. That that's no anyone can say better. they went to watch them, but that'd be brilliant. That yeah, it's getting better. Were you there for that? Yeah, yeah. There all night. Oh, at AMI. And the other one. Well, there's quite a few, but when we were there all night, oh, what what was the other one? Um, I can't think now. It's getting better, and I don't know. Were you ever tempted I'm, to? I'm uh, losing it. <laughs> <laughs> were you ever tempted to grab a guitar and try and get up there? While we were recording. Yeah. No, definitely not. You know what they say: change a word, get a third. You could have, uh, you could have <laughs> submitted a lyric and got some royalties there. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we did miss out on. We were there for um, all you need is love. Oh yeah, that they done that on telly, didn't they? 
that's right. And we were there all afternoon with them. Yeah. Um, as they were as they as they were learning it in the studio. Wow. Uh, but we we were playing away the next morning. Yeah. Uh, go, going abroad, gigging somewhere. I can't remember where it was now. So we had to come home. Ah. Uh, so you and uh, we drove home as fast as we could, and then we saw them in the studio live, the studio that we just come from. Yeah. <laughs> and that was all you need is love. So if we would have wouldn't have had to come home, we'd have been there. And we would have been part of the back and vocals on that. It's sliding doors moments, isn't it? There's all little things like that where you could have you could have done something or yeah. but for a, one little twist of fate. And yeah. we've, I suppose we've all got stories like that, but none, none quite as good as that one, though. <laughs> well, there wasn't much to learn on it. Yeah, it's just it G, just G, love, A and D, isn't love, it? Love, love, yeah. <laughs> I've always said that that song has the greatest chord progression I've heard. The way it goes G, A and D. And then it goes G B seven, and that that just that one little twist I think is absolutely genius, and it's so simple. But that's what makes a good song something that's really simple. That's it's, what made the Beatles as well. They they knew that, you know. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever have you got any books out or anything with with all these stories in, or have you thought about writing one? Um, I should do. Uh, Spencer Lee did a book for me. You know, Spencer Lee from Reggae Oh, yeah, yeah, he did some stuff for us as well. He interviewed us on Merseyside a few times. Yeah. Um, and he's great, Spen. You know, he's still around somewhere. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's... Um, he did the book, and it, it's just full of quotes, really. There's no good, really good stories in it or anything, you know, yeah. or whatever. And um, Spencer's a bit like that in real life. Yeah. I don't know if you've met him. Yeah, we we interviewed, he interviewed us on Merseyside about six, seven years ago. So yeah, he's, nice he's great. He's, he's a lovely guy, and I get on great with him. But he is a bit, um, I don't know, what's the word? I can't think. Does he not go um, into much background detail when he's telling these stories? He just... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he just talks facts. Yeah. See, a lot yeah, of the, the interesting stuff is behind the facts. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like yeah. the fact is the, is the single that gets put out, but the yeah. interesting stuff, like you said, is being in the studio while it's being done. So if people can tell a fact, but you really want to know the story behind it. Well, okay, here's, here's, a, here's another little story for you. We were there for it's getting better. Yeah. All night. Now, obviously, you're in a band and everything, and... Um, the only we went home. In fact, we drove home. I think after the after the recordings, and that's that's the only song they did. Um, all we knew was love, 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 because that's the only time uh, everyone stops. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we couldn't. We'd heard. We heard the track. Yeah. The song, but we did. We didn't hear the song. If you know what I mean. I see. Yeah, yeah. Be because they all had headphones on, and we didn't. Yeah. So um, they were listening so to the fall back, and you, you just. Yeah, thought... I came. I came. I remember coming home and seeing a few mates of mine. Oh, what, what did you do at the weekend? Uh, I was at a, a Beatles recording. You know, showing off. <laughs> <laughs> and um. 
And what, oh, what was the song? How did, how did it go? And I didn't know. And then you're on because, the Well, because, John, think about this. You, you know, you're amused. So they all had ca- headphones on. Yeah. And we didn't. So when it goes into um, the, the lead vocal in the, in the, in the verses, um, there's nothing you can do that can't be done. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, it, we, could, we couldn't hear it. But they could, yeah, I see. Yeah. Because they had cameras on, so we heard that song about 30, 40 times and didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't make that up, could you? No, no. See, this is the also <laughs> you need. You need to put this in a book or a full. If you've done a full length podcast with all these stories, because this is the sort of stuff that you know. In years down the line, people won't know these things, and it, this is the stuff that really interests everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. I should, should think about doing that. Well, I'll take your advice, mate. Well, we'll, we'll certainly push it on the, on the bottles for you. Yeah. Because um, it's all all interesting, local things, any any local links to Everton as well. It's always stuff that people that listen to our podcast would like to know because we do get a lot of listeners over in America, um, all over the world, really, and they only know, really, what they see on Twitter or yeah. that the club put out when there's other people involved in the club that we'd like to push their story to them because it's something that, especially when the season's finished or you can't go to the game, you start naturally looking for other things to get your exactly, interest. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And Bill came right, I've known Bill a long, long time. Yeah, I did actually have a note that you knew Bill Kenwright as well. So, is he is he as a a genuine person as he comes across? He does seem like oh, he is without doubt. Yeah, he seems like he has He's a genuine great. passion for the club, not just for Everton, but for the city and obviously his theatre projects as well. Well, exactly. Yeah, he wants me to see about that. He wants to see me about that. By the way, so fingers okay. crossed. Well, hopefully he's got, he's got a bit of a play coming about Everton and he can get you, you sent to stage. I'll be there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Oh, great. Well, we are unfortunately a bit short on time at the moment, but uh, it would be nice to, to speak to you for a bit longer. Maybe we can arrange that at some point in the future. Yeah, whenever, no problem. Yeah. I can talk the leg off of whatever it is. Whatever. Well, that's great because I, I can't really. I, I find it quite hard to... Um, speak and which is weird when you're in a band you can get up and sing in front of a, I've, I've sung in front of a, a couple of thousand people but yeah. if I had to get up and actually speak to them and and direct a conversation I just can't do it but I've got a guitar in front of me and I can hide behind a microphone it's, yeah. it's weird how, how you can do it but hopefully we can we can get involved and uh, get you back on and we can name some more of them stories well great well, well look, at it, look at it this way you know um, you know, well, my magic moment was um, was in Brazil. Yeah. And and, and Pelle was there, you know, and he was singing along to one of my songs, and I'll never forget that as long as I live. Oh, that's brilliant! That's a nice, <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice little anecdote to, to wrap it up on. So, uh, thanks, thanks so for coming there you on. Go. I haven't for... spoke too much, have I? No, no, no. It's been great. I really appreciate you coming on and giving us your time. You're welcome. Any, 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 if you need any more, just let me know. Oh, we will do. We'll definitely be back in touch. Okay, good, right. to, good to talk to you, Matt. And you too. Thanks a lot, Billy. Take care. Bye. Thanks, bye. Bye. Big thank you to Matt and Billy for that wonderful interview. Uh, we're now moving from one blue legend to another blue legend. 
Uh, it's me, Dave Witchley, and we're joined by Dave Kelly from Fan Support and Food Banks. Uh, if you don't follow them on Twitter already, I'm going to ask you why, and you need to. Uh, the handle on Twitter is at S Food Banks. So make sure you give them a follow and back what the, you know, the, the excellent work they're doing. It's an initiative we can all immensely be proud of as a fan base and as a city. Whilst we haven't had a lot to shout off off the pitch these uh, last couple of decades, the, um, this um, remarkable initiative has given us plenty to shout about off the pitch. Um, so before we go into your latest announcement, uh, welcome, Dave. And uh, can you just uh, tell us a bit about yourself and how this initiative started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Thanks very much for uh, the glowing tribute. I've been called <laughs> lots of things over the years, but not often a legend. <laughs> you <laughs> are, mate. The way you do um, is that of a legend, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think um, the story about Van Sport and Food Banks actually started off. Uh, surprises a lot of people, to be honest with you. I was, I was actually attending a meeting in London at the Premier League. Um, I also, for me, since uh, sit on the National Council of the Football Supporters Association, and it was at the height of uh, the infamous 2020 campaign when we were campaigning um, at the Premier League to 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 uh, cap tickets, um, which ultimately ended up uh, a successful campaign um, um, when we got uh, away tickets capped at thirty pounds. Um, I think one of the the, the things uh, that often used to happen. We'd go down to London and be representatives from all the Premier League clubs there. And one of the things most of them always used to say when we'd uh, go into the in, into the rooms for the meetings was, "Well, it's all right for scousers. Scousers stick together." Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're sitting in the boardroom in, in the Premier League, and Richard Scudamore is telling us what a wonderful organisation um, Premier League is. And I'm also going to great lengths to explain uh, how charitable and how generous and how much they do within the communities. He then went on to, he actually implied, believe it or not, that the Premier League and the football in general do a lot, but fans don't do that much, if anything. Um, And when we were coming back um, on the train from London, we had the conversation myself and uh, Ian Byrne, who was representing Spirits of Shankly. Um, and we decided that uh, the next time we went down there, that we would have um, rose to the challenge, so to speak, and we would do something. So we had a, a, a good discussion, and the discussion uh, point uh, kicked off on Scousers sticking together. Yeah, yeah, and the more we spoke about that, um, it, 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 it became apparent that we had the unique set of circumstances whereby we could attempt to do something collectively as rectangles rather than uh, any other club where, uh, or city with two clubs. Probably the unique selling points of supporters on Merseyside and both football clubs, um, is that the Walton constituency in Liverpool 
is the only constituency in the UK to have two Premier League football clubs in it. So that gives you the, 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 a quite a fan base to do something that is not for the community. Now, unfortunately, it's well documented that 68 wards within that Walton constituency are, are among um, the most socially and economically deprived in the country. Um, so that was the basis of how we did it jointly and how we came together. Um, that meeting was on the Thursday, on the Friday. Uh, it attended a meeting in the community centre in Anfield, and there was quite a large queue outside the door. And the queue was... Uh, we, we didn't know what it was for when we went in to, to have the meeting. Uh, with the chairman of the community association, we said, <laughs> must be busy in here. What have you got on there? Is it a bingo or have you got a show on or something? <laughs> and he said, no, it's, it's actually the queue for the food bank. And we're just wow. about to run out of food. Yeah. And he, before we went to the meeting, he took us into the stock room. We went, when we went into the stock room, the cupboards and the shelves were there. The only thing in there was probably about 20 tins of tuna and probably the world's biggest bag of pasta. And they were, they were stripping the bag of pasta down and putting them in bags similar to what you'd put sweets in for kids to make sure that everyone got something. So yeah. when we come out the meeting, uh, we decided, guys, we need to hit the, hit the ground running. We need to do something. We need to do something fast. Um, why, 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 why don't we uh, see if we can use um, the football family on Merseyside uh, to help people on Merseyside who are really struggling? Ironically enough, Everton were playing Man United the following morning, and we stupidly come up with the idea of contacting Liverpool City Council and seeing if they can sort us out with a wheelie bin. And the following morning, after a couple of tweets on social media, um, <laughs> there we are standing outside the Winslow with a wheelie bin. <laughs> and absolutely true, to, uh, absolutely true to form. Um, I was astonished um, that so many scouts use wheelie bins because we ended up with a wheelie bin full of chip papers and empty beer bottles and about <laughs> half a dozen bags of food. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, walked away extremely happy and content that we'd done something uh, and uh, unfortunately got rolled over by United um, hopefully that's the other side <laughs> the enormity of what was going on was well we need to do the same next week at Anfield and much to our credit and um, we, 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 we're in a remarkable situation where we've got an extremely good and loyal support of gang of volunteers from from that day on the 17th of March 2015 we did 233 consecutive food bank collections outside Anfield and Goodison and we've gone from very humble beginnings of half a dozen carrier bags of food and a wheelie bin to regularly collecting in the region of summer food per game 
I mean, that's incredible, Dave. And we can only hope that Fabian Delph can find more than he can't even uh, string one game together, can he? At the moment, and you've done over two hundred, so you know that's the, the benchmark. Um, as Blues, we know in this city, um, obviously, you know, the city comes together, doesn't it? You know, regardless uh, of who you support on the on the on the bigger issues. Uh, obviously, your slogan itself says hunger doesn't wear colours. Um, does this, uh, your initiative, show that anything's possible when we come together as scouts and, 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 and well, as two football clubs? No, I, I, absolutely. And I think um, I, I think reverting back to uh, them meetings in London at the Premier League, you, you, you tended to have the ridiculous situation whereby a Tottenham supporter wouldn't ask an Arsenal supporter something. They would ask us and get us to ask on their behalf. A city supporter uh, would have no relationship whatsoever with the United supporter. Uh, and, and that's why, um, uh, in, in spite of us um, just literally throwing it together uh, uh, as a quick idea, um, it was quite deliberate about um, the hunger doesn't wear club colours um, thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it needs to be a situation whereby we can unite uh, fans of all clubs uh, and we can try and encourage uh, supporters not to be tribal and to do things together and to do it collectively. Um, and I, I can say five years on with a great deal of uh, satisfaction that the Man City and Man United uh, lads uh, do their food bank collections now, and they do a lot of stuff collectively to support the food bank network in uh, Greater Manchester. Um, and uh, that 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 was uh, aided and abetted, if you like, by um, Manchester United supporters trust when they set their food bank up. They quite deliberately uh, the the first game they done a food bank collection was a Man United-Liverpool game, uh, which is possibly the most tribal and hostile game um, in, in, in the Premier League. The first people yeah, yeah. who donate to the Man United uh, uh, supporters trust food bank was actually Spiritus Shankly. Now, wow. yeah. when, when, when things like that happen, um, it, it, it should be big news. Um, and we're immensely proud of uh, how many clubs we've managed to pull together. Um, the first collection that Manchester City uh, did uh, was for the... Uh, and they're only uh, relatively new to, to the network of, of the fans doing food bank stuff. But they, they launched on the 1st of January this year. Quite deliberately, they launched when they played that. And it was on the basis that we turned up that uh, we turned up to support them. We got the banners out, and um, uh, it was ironic that uh, the day after the game, when they rang us, he said, uh, "It's absolutely incredible what you did." And said, "We actually received more food off Evertonians than we did off City supporters." And um, from very slow beginnings, uh, they they grew really quickly, and an absolute credit. Yeah, I've seen quite a few pictures you've put online. I think on the food banks one with with the city fans, and uh, you know it's incredible the way that you manage to unite fans. You know, not not only in the city, it, city can be easy because obviously, my, ironically enough, my brother's just gone out the door and he, he's wearing his food bank t shirts. The ones with the donations are going to 
to yourselves. Um, yeah. He's a red, he's a red season ticket holder, even though I'm a blue season ticket holder. So I think it's slightly easy sometimes in this city, isn't it? Because we we are, you know, the the family derby, and we are, we are very much still family and friends, reds and blues. Uh, but you know, like you say, there, no, to, to unite. To, to, to be honest with you, um, I, I, again, that was something that I'd said uh, literally from day one. Certainly the first time I ever spoke to a journalist, I said to the, the journalist that um, I don't want to donate a tin of beans to an Evertonian. I want to donate a tin of beans to someone who's hungry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, 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 it's absolutely got no, no consideration whatsoever what club or indeed if you even support a club. This is about working-class solidarity. This is about working-class people coming together um, and, 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 and uh, aiding the local communities who are struggling. I, I had the privilege um, to speak at a, at a conference with, um, of all people, uh, Ken Loach, uh, by Daniel Blake, uh, fame. Um, that was something uh, that really inspired us as well, uh, and, and probably has, has inspired the movements, uh, particularly in and around football. The first, uh, the, the first other club to jump on board with us was was, was Newcastle, and they, they were uh, inspired by what we'd been doing and got on board. Uh, and within a couple of months, it was apparent that there was lots of clubs, lots of sizes, uh, shape, size and descriptions looking to get on board. And we, we, we decided that we would set up um, a, a network and try and organise a conference to to pull everyone together and to, to have a discussion about maybe adopting um, best practice. Um, but I, I think uh, something I'm proud of uh, not just the original football club, but the original, the originals uh, from a food bank's uh, perspective. So we decided yeah. to call a national conference, and uh, we had the, the, the Newcastle fans wanted us to have it in Liverpool, and we wanted to have it in Newcastle. And um, we, we we were saying to them that what, what one of the problems we felt we could potentially have if we, if we had it. Uh, the thought of going to Anfield or going to Goodison uh, potentially could compromise what we were doing. Really, yeah, uh, yeah. established ourselves. Uh, that if we went to Newcastle and at St James's Park, it would uh, alleviate that uh, that potential problem. Uh, but given that most of the clubs who were involved in and around the time uh, at the time. We're all north of Liverpool anyway, and there was a couple of Scottish clubs that got on board as well. So geographically, Newcastle was the ideal place to have it. And he was at, 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 at the event, um, uh, there was 32 different clubs represented who were collecting foods for local communities in various guises. Some very much uh, the same as us doing it on a game by game basis. Others doing, uh, others doing it monthly. A couple of them were just doing twice a year, and one one was actually just doing an annual collection. But it was good to be sitting in a room with like-minded ideas. And, uh, and one of the things I remember saying uh, during the presentation I did, in spite of us being the originals, 
we haven't got uh, the copyrights to all the good ideas. I don't mind who's good idea. Uh, we pinch if it helps uh, what we're trying to achieve. Um, that was followed on a couple of years later um, when we eventually uh, organised one in Liverpool. And rather than face the potential problem of going to Goodersfield and Field, we believe or not, we held it in St George's Hall. Oh, right, OK, yeah. And, yeah. And, and fair play to the City Council. We approached the City Council uh, and, and I told them about our plans and what we were going to do. And um, uh, asked them could they source us with a suitable venue. Uh, went down on the waterfront or the town hall or something in one of the committee rooms to have it. And they come back uh, with, let's reach for the stars. Uh, let, let's use uh, St George's Hall as a probably one of the most iconic buildings in the city. Right on top of Lime Street Station of people were travelling from across uh, the whole of the country. Um, when we had the meeting with Dad, with, with, with Joe, I was a bit reluctant about going into the splendour of St George's Hall to discuss the food poverty. And yeah, yeah. But, 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 but it worked really well. It was really successful. And we at, at, at that one, we actually had um, we had forty eight clubs in attendance. Um, a number of keynote speakers, uh, politicians, and people. And from the football industry, uh, actually uh, spoke. Um, so it, it, it clearly um, demonstrates to us the genie's now at the bone, you know what I mean? That this isn't something that, because one of our main concerns from the beginning was we didn't want this to be uh, uh, something that was uniquely red or blue or uniquely scouse. We want it to be something uh, that that would resonate with supporters everywhere, and hopefully it has done. No, definitely, and you, you can see that. You know the ever the proofs in the pudding when you when you put these pictures up. You can see right across the country. You know you've managed to to galvanise and unite people right across the country, which is a credit to you know, yourself and Ian, and uh, obviously Rob as well uh, with the, with the fantastic work that you've done. You know, obviously you, you mentioned it was five years um, that it's been going now. What would you say are the biggest changes in, in the five years? Uh, have you seen more demands? Obviously, lately with, with, with a lot of you know the you know people out of work and, um, and you know what 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 would you say to be the, the big difference? Well, to, to to be honest with you, um, as we approached um, the fifth anniversary, and obviously, I think like uh, most most if not all organisations will celebrate uh, a fifth anniversary. I'm not sure we should be celebrating the fifth anniversary of the food bank, but, but there you go. But we 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 had plans in place uh, that we would do something um, just to acknowledge the fact that it was five years. And one of the things uh, going through all the various bits and pieces of what had happened, uh, we looked at a lot of the statistics, and unfortunately, food poverty is full of statistics. And I could probably send, uh, spend the next couple of hours rattling off mind-blowing stats of how bad food poverty actually is. Uh, and we, we tend to stay well clear of all of that for a number of reasons. But, but I think the most damning statistic is since we started five years ago, 
the demands on food banks are risen 130 percent. I think what a lot of people won't realise is uh, food banks are also some of the most heavily audited uh, businesses through charities uh, that, that you can imagine. And for argument's sake, if you rolled up in the fans all that colours from now and give us a tin of beans. So we, 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 we get the collection at the ground. We take the collection, and this is the enormity of what's going on. So the collection then goes uh, from the ground to the warehouse. You take what you've collected off the van, and then all has to get weighed. So I could actually tell you how much or how little we've collected on every single one of them 233 games. Now, once it's been weighed, believe it or not, there's a mathematical calculation that's got to be made then, whereby you transform the weight into a monetary value. And that's because food banks are actually registered charities. So they have to, uh, they have, they have to justify that to the Charity Commission. It's then going to be stock, uh, stored in things like best before order, sell by date order, uh, and, and some stuff can literally come in uh, from a weekend game and go straight out on the Monday. So it, it, it's a real complex, it's a pain in the ass. It's that uh, complicated, the lens yeah. that they have to go to. But um, as I said, it's not just as simple as turning up and getting some food and then getting it back out. Uh, to the point of need, it's um, it's quite a, a long-winded process. So you've obviously launched this new project, the mobile pantry. How did yeah. that come about, and and what is the mobile pantry for anyone that's listening and hasn't read the uh, you know the the article in the Echo? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the things we were always conscious of from day one, and probably like most people starting off with an idea, there's short-term, medium-term and long-term plans. And what we were fully aware of right from day one is that we would never uh, eliminate food policy on Merseyside, collecting food outside Anfield or Goodison. That food poverty is a result of actions by politicians and even the Tory government uh, over the last 10 years has been absolutely pernicious um, to drive through its, its policies of austerity, of massively cut funding to local authorities. And uh, their the, 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 the is basically the survival of the fittest. And if you fall, uh, fall through the, that, that, the safety net that was once there, you fall through the safety net, and that's the end of it. Um, so, as well as was actually looking for the stick and plaster over a gape and wounds. We were also clear and focused on that what we need to do is we need to get food poverty on the agenda. And I think one of the things is most people five years ago would have known who a modern food bank was, but wouldn't know why they were there or think about why they were there. And I think you spoke, you asked me earlier about how things have evolved. Five years ago, um, 
quite common terminologies that people uh, uh, would use uh, oh, oh, food banks and you know people on benefits and then you'd have people then uh, as, as, as times change you then started talking about things like universal credit zero hour contracts and one of the most offensive terms uh, I think that's ever, that's ever been used is getting used now widely and it is used widely when people are actually talking about now people who are in in work poverty. What an offensive term that is. You know, if you're actually going out to work, why the hell should you be in poverty? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know um, this morning, just before I come on the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. seen the BBC uh, running with something um, about there's only five Premier League clubs currently paying the living wage to the staff. And I'm absolutely uh, delighted that Everton and Liverpool are two of the five. Um, Now, that's that's not by coincidence. That's because we've gone up and down uh, to London, we took part in in government select committees, uh, particularly over football. Um, And I, I, I can remember asking... Uh, Robert Goldstone, I was shareholders AGM a number of years ago about what was Everton's situation regarding um, paying a living wage to its employees. And uh, Denise Baxendale got off and, and, and answered the question. Um, and I, I, I warmed by what she was saying. However, I'd actually had the evidence from the Parliamentary Select Committee that that wasn't the case, that the answer... Um, uh, the club had gave the parliamentary select committee uh, contradicted uh, what she was saying on fairness, and I applauded for it. Uh, she met us within 48 hours, and we sat down and we had a discussion. Um, and, um, I, I think that, that, that there's a lot of misconceptions between the minimum wage and the living wage and all the other machinations of all that. And I'm absolutely delighted um, that within 48 hours that meeting took place and they agreed that they would revisit it and they would pay it straight away. Not that they would think about it, that they would introduce it straight away. And that meant that uh, people who were working at Goodison um, received a wage rise of £9. And that's what it's all about. And I think uh, one, of the, one of the discussions we had with the club after the introduction of the living wage was we actually asked them, would they go out and actually become a living wage accredited company? Um, and and we, the reason we wanted to do that is we wanted to be saying to all the other clubs within, the, uh, within, within football, Here's what our club's doing. We put a marker, a marker in, in the sand there. The marker's down. He's going to step up to the plate and do it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Next week is uh, National Living Wage Week. And I, I would, I'd like to think that the 16 clubs, Premier League clubs that currently aren't paying it, actually do so. Yeah, yeah, and step up to the mark. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, you know it, it's fantastic, basically, you know, the work that you have done there. Um, you know, you know this mobile pantry because I've seen pictures of it the other day. Does that move from location to location? Then doesn't it and set up where you know how do you define where that goes? Uh, again, it's, uh, I, I think 
and I, I think I put a tweet out uh, the, other, the other day that in five years we've gone from a wheelie bin to a seven and a half ton, uh, seven and a half ton truck, which is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, it shows the um, work he's done. Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think most people will be aware, uh, Luca. Any knowledge of food banks will, will probably understand that food banks nationally uh, tend to run under an organisation called the Total Trust. Um, there's also another organisation called My Local Pantry, which is very similar. And one of the things, um, see, there's actually a stigma attached, I'm sure. Uh, that if I had to go and use a food bank today, uh, that it wouldn't be something that I was proud of. It was something that I would want to keep quiet about. And I would try and do it under the radar. And one of the things uh, we've tried to do over the last couple of years is move away from using the word food bank. Uh, and we, we, we talk now more about um, food insecurity. And um, one of the ways you can move away from food insecurity is to get involved with the that pantry network. And there's there's a number of them uh, sprung up across the city and all the major towns and cities in the country. Um, when we sat back and looked at it, one of the um, I was going to say one of the criticisms, but it's not a criticism. But one of our observations was you've got. Uh, good people going out and doing good things, and what the what what what, what they're doing basically is the 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 identifying an empty shop in the high street, and either contact on the local council or or, or or the owner of the property, opening a pantry in there and then opening a half a day or a day a week. Um, now the, the the funny thing about that is. I think that's a complete not a waste of time of the of waste of money and resources because if it's only open half a day or a day a week, it's shut the other six. So yeah. we, we 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 had a quite a long discussion about how we could approach it differently, and we decided that we would attempt to set up mobile food pantries. And basically, the the, the 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 object of the exercises is that food pantry should be set up in food deserts, is the terminology that's used. Food deserts are predominantly areas without supermarket or access to good quality nutritional food. Set up a pantry and sign up up to 150 members. Now, the idea of signing people up of members, it's about empowering local people and actually moving away from people using uh, a food bank and actually being in, uh, having a degree of control uh, of their, their needs and their demands. The reality of it is, we go to a food bank, uh, you, you're given uh, a... a uh, a, 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 a package of emergency food to get you over an emergency crisis. The pantry is a lot more about doing something that is sustainable and more long-term. So the reality of it is identify an area, move into the area, 
set up the pantry and encourage as many people as you can to become a member. It costs them £3.50 a week. They only pay that £3.50 a week when they actually use it. If they don't use it, they don't pay it. For the £3.50, they then get a minimum of £15 worth of food. The difference here being that the £15 worth of food that they do get is that they're in a position where they they actually have food. So they're literally going into a shop and selecting the food rather than be given uh, what, what, what you actually get. And um, it's been very oh, exciting, to be honest with you, Dave. I think, um, yeah. Given that it only got launched last week, um, and it was funny, it fell turned up. Got a couple of bags of stuff and off he popped. Um, he come back a couple of hours later and he said to me, uh, he said, my wife's just had murder with me. So I said, why is that? What's up? What's the problem? He said, well, when she unpacked the carrier bags, um, put the food out on the water and she tossed it up. She said, have you joined twice? So he said, no, 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 just the once. He said, well, I think you brought someone else's as well. So the fellow actually come back with it. And we said to the contract is you becoming a member. We will give you £15 worth of food. However, yeah. we'll supplement that if, uh, if we've had uh, donations of, of, of individuals. Uh, we've got a lot of free stuff, which we'll just and that's how it's got you to the value of thirty pounds. Um, to be honest with you, that's far better, isn't it? To actually yeah, encourage, yeah, definitely, yeah, and empower people to uh, influence what direction they're actually going, rather than wait till they uh, reach the absolute crisis and the desperate and having yeah. to be getting handled. Fantastic, mate. That's it. You know, it's a, it's a really hard one. You know. Uh, story of yours, you know how you've got from where you've you know started to where you are now, and uh, just fantastic to hear. <clears throat> if, 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 if just before we close, I wanted to ask you, and no doubt there's people listen to this who, who think, right, this is fantastic. I wanted to, I want to help out or I want to do something. If someone's listening now, how how do they get involved, and what could they do to be involved? Well, uh, if they just contact us uh, by uh, any of the social media. Uh, yeah. and, and we're, we're, I, I, I think what 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 I, I think in the in the evolution of fan support and food banks, uh, we've got uh, we, we we've got probably an army of potential volunteers of people who've asked. Now the reality of it is, uh, obviously, our core activity has always been uh, about organising in and around the normal match day routine and doing collections at matches and everything that that entails. Uh, we're in a situation now whereby, one, we're not doing that, uh, and, and, and two, um, we, we, we need people uh, with a different skill set now. And uh, obviously one of the things we're really conscious of uh, is, is we need people with a particular skill set that can actually bring something different to yeah, make yeah. what we're doing better rather than just, um, uh, just the body as such. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I think I, I know we're in the process now um, in these troubled times. Um, during the height of the pandemic, 
Um, Liverpool City Council actually gave fans support and food banks uh, and, and, and the St Andrews Community Network. They actually handed over um, Anfield Sports Centre to us. Right, we, yeah. we, were, yeah. we were operating out of there and we actually uh, ended up setting up what could only be described uh, as, uh, as uh, it, it was almost like a factory. It was a production line whereby we had lots of people in um, coming in, parceling foods up and then getting it distributed and out into the wider city. And I think that's one of the other things, to be honest with you, Dave. Um, the demographic of who and what a food bank user has changed dramatically over the five-year period. And I know certainly uh, as furlough uh, has come to an end or people have been on 60% or 80% of the wages or, or, or they're not now working at all. We've got a scenario whereby you've got people who've lived quite comfortably through the whole of their lives, never been out of work, never claimed any benefits. They've now got a, a, a situation whereby they're on reduced incomes and they've got a mortgage to pay. And they're actually yeah. doing without meals because they've got yeah. a mortgage to pay. So I, 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 I think it's it, it's one of the big issues that we have is that we've got to be able to identify trends and, and, and act there accordingly. I think just so, thing, Jay, but that I'm, I'm really keen to 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 say is um, I think probably one of the most contentious issues uh, by football fans throughout the whole of the country was to pay for view uh, stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah, which, which was an absolute gross. It was uh, shocking. It, it, it was a balance. Um, um, I think given that we've now got that network in place across the whole of the country. And we, 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 we meet regularly via Zoom calls um, and raise uh, constantly via uh, WhatsApp groups. And we decided that we were going to take on and we were going to try and lead um, the boycott of, of, of pay-per-view. And it was agreed that it would start off uh, with Newcastle and that as each club had, uh, where there was a food bank, at the game that was going to come up for pay for you, that they would take the lead on it on the run up to that game. And I can remember sitting here the night um, Newcastle United played Man United, they launched the campaign, and I was sitting there and I, I found it mind blowing that uh, watching their, um, their just giving page increase and increase. And they, they collected £30,000 30, plus. On the back of that, um, the next teams to go was uh, teams to go with Leeds and Aston Villa, and um, they managed to get eighty thousand pounds donated to them. Uh, the next one was the Liverpool Sheffield United game, obviously, which was uh, the one that we run with. And um, to say my head blew off, and. Um, we collected oh, one hundred and twenty nine thousand pounds. Wow! Donated yeah. to the food bank by people boycotting pay per view games, and I took part in a in a Zoom call on Tuesday with the Premier League uh, over pay per view um, as part of my responsibilities as being a national council member of the and um, spoke at length about. Uh, I, I think 
probably very close to £400,000 has been collected on the back of fans campaigning against pay-per-view. Uh, and people tend to focus on the headline figure. And what, what I thought was really ironic, I, 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 I said to him, on the basis that just given page that we set up, we've now got the data on the 8,400 people who donated and donated generously. And the donations, most of them were for the £15. Uh, the lowest donation was a five, and believe it or not, one person donated £5,000 to that fund. Now, when, when you start stripping it all down, and what, what, what one of the funny things in, in, in all of that, what really amused me, is that that, that fundraiser got uh, launched the day Everton started giving uh, season ticket holders uh, the refunds. And yeah, yeah. I, I started chuckling because they started coming lots of £85 and £93 and people <laughs> were donating yeah. that in full. And when, when you look, actually look at the data, uh, people have been donating from as far up as Aberdeen right the way down to the south coast. They were donating from uh, the Republic of North, North of Ireland. They were donating from America, Australia. It was worldwide. It, it was probably the biggest ever PR disaster that, um, that the broadcasters in the Premier League had actually got embroiled in. And personally, I'd like to thank every single person who's donated to that or donated food at our collections and uh Transport and food banks. Uh, I think it was Jock Stein said football without fans is nothing. Well, food, but transport and food banks is nothing without donors. Excellent, mate. And just that's a really good point to close on. If if, if someone was to obviously listen to this and they do want to donate, where would they go to donate? Just 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 go on our social media and all the stuff is there. Yes. I, I think yes. the other important thing to say, Dave, is that every single penny goes direct to the North Liverpool Food Bank. It doesn't go to us. None of the money comes through our hands. It goes through them. Uh, it's a registered charity. And there's an absolute categorical assurance that all money's donated by that source is spent exclusively on food. It can't be spent off to go and buy a new van or take a couple of new members of staff on. It all gets spent on food. And that's the reality that we're, 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 we're at now. We've gone from a scenario whereby um, all the food uh, that we were, were given was donated. We're now in a scenario uh, whereby spending eight to £10,000 a week buying the food in that we used to get donated. So, uh, and as I said, big, 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 big thanks to not, to, not, not just to Blues or Reds, but to supporters of clubs of of, of all colours who, who've got on board and took part. Fantastic, Mike. I think that's a, a really nice note to to, uh, to close on as well. And I just want to say a massive thank you to you on behalf of, of everyone, really, all the football fans out there, regardless of the colour of the shirt. And I'm sure it won't be the last time you or Robert come on the Bobblecast. Uh, you know, you're always welcome to come on here and, and, and speak about the great work that you're yeah. doing because it is it's fantastic work. Uh, so, so thank you. We, we, we may actually get them on next time, might me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Robert, if you're listening, problems, 
<laughs> get 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 your uh, get your your family on that uh, app and make sure that it's uh, it, it's working next time. We'll get yeah. you on as well. Uh, so thank you, Dave. Thank yeah. you for everyone listening, and uh, keep up the fantastic work, mate. You're an inspiration to us all. Cheers. <laughs>